All right, welcome to Jetstream Live. Super excited to be here. I'm with Jill Van Jean, and she is the founder and CEO of Fatso Nut Butter. It's not just peanut butter, it's nut butter, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, thanks so much for being here, Jill. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So, so we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about uh, growing your business through the COVID pandemic, uh, which I think is still something that's top of mind for a lot of people. Uh, and it's been a difficult time for a lot of businesses. And so I'd love to jump into uh, talking about that. Bef but before we do that, Jill, if you don't mind giving us a little bit of background on yourself and, and Fatso and the story there. Yeah, sure. So um, I founded Fatso in 2016. Um, I actually uh, bought the company or the concept, I should say, it wasn't actually a, a company um, uh, here in Victoria, BC. It was a bit of a Hail Mary. I had spent uh, a year and a half unemployed after um, finishing a graduate degree in the social sciences. So um, yeah, times were tough. And I uh, sort of reached a, a place in my, um, in my unemployment history where I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do something like this. This is, this can't go on any longer. So um, it was a very serendipitous sort of meeting um, with this very, you know, small um, peanut butter brand. Uh, and uh, yeah, started it uh, here in Victoria and uh, ran it solo for two years, was doing my own distribution, sales, brokerage with no experience. So it was a good crash course into CPG. And then uh, we sort of professionalized, I would say, in 2018 and uh we're now a national brand and expanding into the u.s and navigating all things covid and climate change and supply chain and you know whatever else is going to come down on the horizon which i don't want to talk about right now <laughs> so yeah. I, I feel yeah. like all that stuff when you line it all up it, it's a little much so um maybe we'll just talk about peanut butter today <laughs> Yeah, and, that, and that's a great point too. And and uh, maybe that's a weird question, but why why peanut butter? Uh, what what got you into? Yeah, that? you know it, it at that that point. Like I was I was really into CrossFit, um, and uh, you know peanut butter is one of these sort of magical snacking um, ingredients that I think a lot of people in fitness gravitate towards because it's like so full of like protein and good fats yeah. and it's got this really classic comforting flavor to it. So um, I was already, you know, a huge fan of peanut butter. Uh, and, uh, you know, this whole rise of this, you know, people really understanding um, what nutritious fats are as opposed to fat equals gaining weight or whatever it mm -hmm. is. Um, and then this idea of low sugar, right? And this is like the corner that so many consumers are starting to turn now is a better understanding it's almost like an overall nutritional literacy. So they have better understanding of, you know, what are, what are good fats or what are nutritious fats? Um, what's the benefit of a low sugar diet? Uh, and, you know, I think people, we went through this phase where health food or nutritious food didn't always taste good. And we've really turned this corner now where we have these really whole ingredients. We're mindful about our sugar intake, but we expect things to taste really good. So, you know, fats will really hit all those markers for me as an individual. Right. Um, that's why I became obsessed with it. And then uh, once I acquired the, the sort of the rights to the, to the company, I started making it and shopping it out to all my CrossFit buddies. Uh, and it just really that that's when I realized it had some legs because uh, people just couldn't get enough of it. And, um, 
you know, so that was really the impetus for it. I mean, there was a lot of work that had to be done. There was, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a scalable product when I acquired it. So um, really working um, with a nutritionist to make sure that like the ingredients were sound and then trying to figure out where we were going to get like good stable supply and a co-packer and that type of stuff. So, um, you know, it's come a long way. The recipe is vastly different than what it was when I first mm. got my hands on it. Um, and it's been improved in many ways. So uh, we're just really proud of what we've put out there. Yeah, it's really cool. It's interesting as you talk about this story because uh, I was into CrossFit for quite a while. I still I still work out, but I don't CrossFit like I yeah. used to. Um, and I was very, you know, uh, conscious of, you know, the, the micronutrients or micro, uh, uh, like carbs, fat, yeah. you know, whatever your protein, whatever you're taking mm. in. And so peanut butter is one of those great ones. But I, I thought that I was allergic to peanut butter for about 10 years. Ooh, bummer. And so I avoided it. But yeah. I found out recently that I'm not. And so I've been consuming peanut butter like a <laughs> madman. And I think I posted on Facebook or LinkedIn. And maybe it was you that commented. Someone commented, like, go get some fat. So, so I went and got a couple of flavors and oh, nice. just eating it by the spoonful. Right? Because it's, it's, it is one of those foods that's good on bread. It's just good on a spoon. It's good with some chocolate. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's just good stuff. Fun. So... Yeah. yeah. And we really wanted to, I mean, when you look at the nut butter category, I mean, it's, it's sort of hard to innovate on a nut butter because it is kind of a perfect food, right? But, you know, we've done uh, a really good job in differentiation and we really drive into three things, which is taste, nutrition, and value. Uh, and we really value, and I, I think, you know, in consumer packaged goods and in this sort of the better for you set as well, Flavor is so important because it's really mm -hmm. what we understand that consumers are going to be like, you know, primarily interested in. Uh, so we were really fortunate to um, find uh, these all natural flavors and they're just, they're so good. They're so expensive, but they're totally worth it because it allows us to keep the sugar down in the, in the product. Um, and then uh, with the nutrition, we just really wanted to be different than what we were seeing in the nut butter category, which was really junky sort of, you know, your Skippy and Jeff and, you know, I, like not, not to punch down on them because, you know, it's, it's not great for you, but it can taste okay. So I know it has its place in the market for sure. So you've got these sort of junky peanut butters and then really high price specialty nut butters that really the only selling point on them was like, we're Brazil nuts or like, Mm. Well, 15 different types of nuts and seeds. There was no like real mindfulness around like, why are we doing this? And also they were priced at like 15 to $20 a jar. So adding in like coconut oil and MCT oil, making it taste amazing. And then really capitalizing on the economy of peanut butter. I mean, this is one of the great things. And um, with uh, peanuts and peanut butter is that they're inexpensive because they're super easy to grow. They're not labor intensive. They oh. don't require a lot of water. Um, you'll find in almost, see, you've got me going on peanut butter now, <laughs> but you'll find in almost every, uh, culture across the globe, it's actually a cornerstone of so many diets, um, uh, because of its nutrient density. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of economies to be found within the peanut. Uh, so by adding in these sort of better for you ingredients, capitalizing on the economy of the peanut, we've been able to really challenge, you know, what it looks like to have a specialty nut butter on the shelf pricing in a way that more people can find um, accessible and, um, you know, more people can afford. So, you know, that's really how we've dug into that differentiation. And then, you know, we've had people try and come for our uh, shelf space for sure. We've seen Me Too brands, mostly private label of some very uh, large <laughs> uh, chain stores that I won't mention, but 
um, you know, they don't have our name and that's like something that will always stop people in their tracks. And that's been a huge benefit to us. Yeah. That's something that I really would like to, to dig in here today is, is, you know, I think the name is a lot, but I think the brand, I mean, like in a good way, like I think mm -hmm. Fatso is such a good name, um, but the brand is really important too. And we're seeing this with a lot more, you know, e-commerce companies realizing that, mm -hmm. you know, we can't just build a product and slap up a Shopify site or an e-commerce site. And away we go, and we're going to make millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. You've got to make a brand. And so can you talk a little bit about the name and the brand and, and you know, what that means and, and why that helps you grow as well? Yeah, I mean, I think with the name Fatso, it's a little tongue-in-cheek. Um, sure. By and large, most people understand where we're coming from. Uh, it's not an insult that's commonly used anymore. So, you know, I've always considered it to be, um, you know, a little bit irreverent. And that's really like the foundation of our brand is we try to not take ourselves too seriously. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's just worked really well for us. And I think most people know that we're referring to the good fats that we put into the product. Um, but I think beyond that, like, I think in some ways I had a real advantage to come into CPG. And I don't think this is going to be everybody's experience, but it was mine. Um, is that I didn't know anything about branding, but I knew what I wanted to build yeah. for myself. Um, and like even the idea of building a brand, I mean, this was like truly day to day for the first like year and a half. Like I didn't know where any of it was going. Um, but I know that I really wanted to, you know, not lean too far into being a self-serious sort of like CPG brand where it's like, we're going to only talk about the nutrition and this sort of stuff. And, you know, we had some like great, you know, conversations like through our Instagram, we started to build like a really um, uh, strong social media following just by like, it was just me posting really, right? Like, we didn't have like a sort of like a, any sort of like brand direction or anything like that. It was just me. It was my personality coming through. Um, and I just lent that to the brand. But we also did a lot of work early on. And like my graduate degree was in international development and you know, I'd always sort of wanted to figure out a way, like if this brand ever got successful, how would we be able to turn this into something that benefits more people than just me? Um, and so from the jump, I was super active in, you know, um, partnering with um, organizations like, um, you know, one of my earliest forays into, you know, building a purpose-driven brand was with, um, you know, sex worker rights. And I was really stunned because I raised a bunch of money um, on the first International Women's Day that, you know, had happened since I founded the company. And uh, I thought, you know, there's a lot of organizations that are getting a lot of money today. What's an organization that's going to be missed in this conversation? And uh, so I thought, well, we've got this great local um, organization here called Peers, and they're, um, it's for sex workers, by sex workers. Uh, they provide resources and um, uh, all sorts of activities and outreach. So I thought, well, I'm going to donate it here. And I, I donated this money and then I got a, a message from the executive director. And she's like, no public facing company has ever donated this amount to us. Because it's, wow. it's kind of taboo, right? I mean, not everybody really has a really clear sure. understanding of, you know, the purpose of, you know, sex worker rights. So um, and I was really shocked by that. And my first thought was like, oh, well, I can do more than that. Um, but she awesome. said that one of the things that was the most impactful was us lending our name to a cause that was, you know, right. widely controversial. 
And so that really became my mandate going forward was that we were always going to look for people who are missed in the conversation, people who are going to be stigmatized, um, you know, you know, who like, you know, what, what's going to be the, the organization, individual or community that people aren't going to stick their neck out for. Uh, and I just decided that we're, we're going to do that. And that's been, you know, the way that we've driven our, um, our purpose within the company uh, is that's how we sort of vet who we're going to engage with. And that's contributed greatly to the brand. And there is a sense of, you know, um, boldness that we like to project. Sure. Um, you know, the branding is bold. And then, you know, what we stand for is bold. And this was never like, I know there's a lot of talk about like the value of a purpose-driven company and you know, <laughs> how it can buy more loyalty and it increases revenue and all this stuff. And that, that's all very nice. But, uh, you know, we've, we've taken the small amount that we've been able to contribute and really turn it into like um, some really big impacts. And that's been, I think, how this brand has been built was just like me pushing out my personality through the brand and then just following the thing that I always really wanted to do and what I'm really passionate about. And I think that comes through and that's, that's bought us a lot of uh, kind of customer loyalty. Yeah, absolutely. And I just love that, you know, we, I asked you about brand and, and you started to talk about just inherently talk about purpose and like what you're about and the message and yeah. the tone. But then, you know, to talk about where you're willing to like, you know, put your name out there and, and put some money behind some causes that you really care about. I think that's mm -hmm. just so awesome. And I think the awesome authenticity of the brand just comes through. And you know, I think you and I may have connected a couple of times before just on like LinkedIn or message. Mm. But this is the first time chatting with you and just like you can see yeah, I know the brand probably more than I know the entrepreneur behind it, but I can see the connection. It's there. So that's oh, cool. evidence as well, which is really cool to kind of see that, you know, in person. So that tone and voice just naturally kind of comes out. Um, and, and so I'm really, really glad that you're, you know, sharing that and, and talking about the brand here, because a lot of people I think can learn from that as they're building their business and trying to grow, you know, their store. And I've seen a lot of e-commerce stores doing the right things. And it's tough at the start to like get going and feel that, you're doing the right thing and maybe you're spending time on something that's not necessarily driving a lot of revenue, but it's building the brand mm -hmm. for tomorrow. Yeah. Right. And so I, I really, um, really like that. I really like how you, how you brought that in. So appreciate that. Thanks. Um, I, I know that um, I want to talk about a little bit about the pandemic. I know we've talked mm -hmm. so much about it and everyone's probably tired of it, but <laughs> one of the first things I heard when everyone was started to work at home and I don't know where this came from, but, but they were talking about Fatso giving away, peanut butter you gave a bunch of uh products away to somewhere to a shelter or somewhere that needed food uh that was one of the first things i heard as the pandemic kind of got rolling and so if you can just talk a little bit about that and then carry on to like how the pandemic went for you yeah um you know it kind of goes back to like what i was talking about previously with you know the the master's degree that i had done and i don't know like I just found myself in this situation where it felt like, um, you know, we, we were just, we were on the floor at Expo West, which for people who don't know, is the largest natural food trade show in the world. It's like a billion dollar event. It's massive. It's the show of the year. Everybody goes and we're going in six days. So we're oh, nice. very excited. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so we came home from that. We had another show in San Diego, a consumer show, and that was getting canceled. And, uh, when we were down in California, we actually, because uh, where we were, Orange County was declared a state of emergency because they were putting field hospitals up. And that was the first glimpse of mm. like this 
is starting to look really scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was traveling, um, I had a six month old with me and my husband and then Steve, uh, who's our chief growth officer here at Fatso. And we just were like, okay, well, I guess we just kind of do a vacuum. Like we need to get back across the border pretty fast right. here. So when we got back and in Canada, it was still like being on the ground when that was happening, you could feel it, right? Like you were getting information like in Canada, but if once we were on the ground and we actually felt right. it was just, it was a lot. So we came back to Canada with this sort of different knowledge of what was happening on the ground. And uh, then, you know, it was everybody needs to go get groceries for two weeks and shut your doors and this is it, right? We're on lockdown. And so what I immediately started to see and my first thought was like, okay, so there's going to be no staff at food banks. And then you saw this panic buying that was happening, Mm -hmm. which also happened at food banks, but there was no way to replenish. So food banks, like people weren't donating food because they were scared. They weren't going to have resources. Um, People that couldn't afford to go and buy two weeks worth of groceries that, you know, might've had like 10 bucks or like $50 for the week of groceries don't can't go buy you know three you know 30 rolls of toilet paper and 10 gallons of milk um so there's there was a lot of people immediately that i saw were going to be impacted by this and uh you know i'm I'm tapped i've been in recovery for 11 years so i'm tapped in a little bit to you know the, the outreach um systems here in victoria and you know sort of what's going on with people that are a little bit more vulnerable so i just started to see a lot of that happen and we had a lot of peanut butter um and so i just thought this is like such a good food for um this type of food security issue and it felt wrong to not give it away uh so we did we started to do that so we we actually like i really we started we changed into like an ad hoc food security organization for about a month Uh, And I just told my employees, because like, this is what I had trained for. And now I was like, finally, I was in this global crisis and had the resources to execute it and had a keen understanding of who needed this and how to get it to them. And I was like, this is my time. Like, I have to do something here. So um, we just really shifted in that way. And uh, we identified a lot of food banks that were being underserved because there were some that were getting a lot. And then there were some that were getting none. We identified communities that were underserved as well. Um, we worked with a couple of the First Nations communities here on the island um, and like outreach programs that were, you know, there are people out on the streets that just didn't have access to food anymore. Um, and then we were, uh, we, we, we started to get some traction around that. And then I had Portofino Bakery reach out and they wanted to do something. And we partnered with um, Salt Spring Island Kitchen that does preserves. And uh, then my house turned into, uh, we were making, God, 300 sandwiches a week. Wow. For, I think, God, like five weeks straight where we were just like, we had this huge, we called it the safety sandwich program because there weren't any outreach workers to give food out, even if you get food to them. So, um, you know, we were out uh, delivering sandwiches to places where people could access them and uh it was it was an intense time we did a lot of fundraising and we used one of our distributors uh to purchase large amounts of food for like one food bank in particular that was getting missed and um you know so we went from there and uh and then 
you know, further down the road, we had expected some big POs to come in from some big chain accounts. And of course, grocery stores weren't taking on new products anymore, even if you were listed and proved. And we had produced for that. So we were again left holding a lot of inventory and we could have, you know, sold it off, you know, for, you know, to cover our costs. But um, I don't know, it just felt like the time to do it. So we did. And it was certainly to the financial detriment of the company. Like, I won't lie about that. Mm. Like, you know, like we ended at a loss that year and it was rough. And, you know, we donated over $250,000 worth of product to food wow. banks like here in BC, um, Alberta, Toronto, Seattle, uh, all the way down into um, uh, the Southern United States as well. Um, we're just plugging holes where we had this excess inventory or a close dated inventory. It was going uh, to food banks and to communities. So, I mean, yeah, like hindsight, it was like I probably ran with it a little bit hard, but you know, we really showed up for our community. And in the first three years of my business, like our community showed up for for me in such a major way. We were so embraced by the grocery community, by CPG, by like our like the BC community at large, and then right across Canada. I mean, it just felt like what else? What else am I going to do with this peanut butter? Sell it. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's awesome. That, that's great. $250,000 worth of product yeah. given away. That's, that's amazing. And, you know, you're right at that time. I mean, you know, personally, I, I feel like I should have been doing more, of course, but I was just at home with my family and, and just like tucked away. And I'm like, I'm just not going anywhere. That's my part. But yeah. there were people out there doing that. And, and there are definitely people that aren't as privileged as myself that need food, right? Like yeah. that can't not only not get it, but not be able to afford it. Um, and so that's really great that you're, you know, getting that word out and, and just helping them just straight up helping them like making yeah. sandwiches. That's, that's so awesome. And I think that's a great, such a great thing and a great story, you know, for the brand. Um, yeah. and, and, uh, while you took a loss, I'm sure it'll, it'll pay off in many ways and, uh, just continues to strengthen the, the authenticity of that brand and living yeah. in purpose. So that's very yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so, so after, after that, and this pandemic comes down and changes everything, <laughs> How did, how did, how did you get through that? How did you deal with that? And then how did you maybe grow out of that? If you're, you know, getting to grow now? And Yeah. You know, I was just talking about this this morning to somebody else. And I think, you know, I've had some time to reflect on it. Cause I'm going to be honest with you. Like I found 2021 way more challenging and you mm -hmm. know what it's, it, it can be pandemic related. It was often climate change related but it's also just growing pains as well. Sure. But, um, you know, I think the first year of the pandemic, like, I, I don't think I'm going to describe this properly, but I'm going to try. We, ta we talked about this unpredictability and unprecedented nature of these events that were happening. And yes, they were unpredictable and unprecedented, but there was almost this sense of like excitement attached to it in this sort of like, like we, we didn't know how long it was gonna last. And I think part of that was, you know, especially in the first few months of the pandemic was like, oh, this is like a global crisis that we're gonna get our arms around really quickly. And right now it just feels sort of exciting to be in the middle of everything. And like, you know, we're gonna sort this out. We're gonna come together and all this stuff. Cause there was a sense of that, right? If that didn't happen. We did not come together we became divided. Uh, these unprecedented times became precedented as the year wore on. And 
I think 2021 is like where the dust is like, and it hasn't settled by any means. I just feel like there was so much chatter about like, let's be resilient and like, let's pivot. And, you know, like, how do we remain adaptable in COVID? And none of us were actually talking about anything we had truly experienced because we were all still in it. So there was so many things going out you know, you know, people talking and soapboxing about, and I was one of them. Oh, you know, we're going to pivot on this. This is, we're going to remain so adaptable and resilient. And this is what we're going to do. But you're in the middle of pivoting and being adaptable and trying to find resilience. And you don't know what that outcome is going to be. And I think it probably worked for some, but in 2021, we still had not got our, like, things were so really unpredictable for us. And like, you know, Sobeys and Loblaws came on at the end of our fiscal year and we were like a little tied financially and, you know, listing fees hit us and that was rough. And, you know, then we've had the, these floods and we had supply chain. And so, you know, this sort of unpredictability became a little bit more boring and hard <laughs> than it was like, oh, yeah, we're going to pivot. And, you know, because we had already seen what some of the outcomes were. <clears throat> so, you know, we did grow despite um you know some of the challenges we had in 2020 but you know 2021 and 2021 i should say we grew as well um but you know we've had a bit of an uphill battle over the past six months and uh you know we have had some really new and exciting listings come on board heb in texas and some key stores down in the seattle area and you know we're we're hopeful for another really big listing here in canada but you know there's growing pains involved for sure and, um, you know, I, if I was to reflect on, you know, the two COVID years that we've had so far, <clears throat> um, I would say that 2021 was more challenging of the two for sure. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it makes sense. It did. It, you did get a sense for like, we're coming out of this. It's changing. And then it was like, nope, we're sustaining. Oh. And then, and then it was like, well, when does this end? And when, what yeah. does happen here? And where do we go? And then I'm, how do you continue to sort of you know, keep that pivoting narrative going. You, if this is what we're in, then you're not pivoting anymore. You're, How far you're can you pivot? It. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's funny because, like, I think we get so distracted by one crisis, right? With this, this, it's COVID, right? And COVID is the crisis. But COVID was one part of the crisis. I mean, I saw this, like, when you know we had this flooding in in southern BC, mm-hmm. where it essentially shut down our economy nobody could get things in or out um like entire like farms and plants were washed out roads washed out and then we start to see like these freight increases that are like is this supply chain is this climate change is this gouging like nobody can make heads or tails of why all of a sudden you know things are going 10x when you know for freight so you know, I think that there is definitely we're, we're in the trenches now. And it, I think, you know, in that first year, you know, everybody loved to talk about cautious optimism because that's all we could afford. Yeah. And we needed to be optimistic. I'm, I'm much more cynical this year, to be frank, because it doesn't seem to stop. Right. Um, but I think like I do think that maybe we are coming out of this a little bit. I mean, I don't know if we're going to swap one crisis for another. Um, uh, I don't know like climate change, nuclear war, 
uh, it all seems a little bit crazy and just being like, okay, I'm just going to keep selling peanut butter, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's what you, what you have to do, right? Is you just, I mean, part of making a business survive is just working through whatever is coming at you. You know, these yeah. are probably bigger issues than we've ever faced. Definitely. Um, but I mean, big part of succeeding as an entrepreneur, I believe is just not quitting or yeah. not giving up, right? Even yeah. if, if you're, you know, running out of cash or whatever yeah. the problem is, um, yeah. it's just not to quit. Yeah. Um, so, so you're talking about uh, Texas and these other locations. How far can you ship the product? Can you ship it around the world? Uh, mm. And you, can I go to like the Fatso site and just buy like something oh, yeah. from my home? Oh, definitely. Yeah, people can order it at eatfatso.com. And we're um, we're out of stock actually on Amazon right now. We're waiting for our shipment to come because slippage and supply chain. Um, but uh, we'll be back in stock soon. Uh, <laughs> so that's on Amazon and then our, yeah, just online as well. So. Yeah, people can get it. And we'll ship to, you know, the United, the North America is generally where we like to sit because it can be pretty pricey. I mean, our peanut butter is, uh, it's not like a, a sleek little watch that you can put into an envelope and send over to Japan. Uh, it's a full one pound of peanut butter. So. Um, but yeah, you can order on the website for sure. Very cool. Um, what, what's the future hold for Fatso? Where, where are you going? Where, you know, yeah. where are you most optimistic? We are fundraising. I'm going to say that unabashedly awesome. here because we might have somebody that would be interested because we are, you know, we started the fundraising process a while back. Uh, we just started uh, doing some pitching and sort of like uh, testing the waters to see what the temperature is. But um, yeah, we're trying to raise $3 million. Um, I really have a belief in like this U.S. expansion. It's really like a uh, expanding as a Canadian brand to the U.S. I don't know if people in the U.S. actually know this, but it is like just fraught with risk. So um, we really want to be strategic in how we're executing that rollout, um, really focusing on the Western United States. And uh, and I think this might surprise some people, but we're really trying to focus on independence and like natural food um, uh, sales channels in this sort of smaller, more conscientious way. Because um, what I've found is that we... Um, really built our brand loyalty um, in community stores and in independently owned stores because it shows that you're in the community. So we're really being conscientious about how we roll out into the United States, um, maybe some mid-level chains. So a little bit of a U.S. expansion. We've got some awesome product development we really want to get off the ground. Uh, and I really want to start to build out um, a bit more of a robust DTC infrastructure in the United States because I think that can really help us build some brand awareness over the next few years. But, you know, we've got... Um, oh, why don't I do this? Because this is going to be out on March 9th and we'll already be at Expo. So bear with me. Let me just grab these from up here. All right. Okay. So we did a brand refresh. Oh. And this is going to be debuting at Expo. Uh, let me see if I can just get these lined up here and I'll move my... Okay. Oh, cool. Can you guys see that? Oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it's all backwards here. <laughs> there we go. So we've got our classic, our crunchy salted caramel and our maple. Wait, wait sorry. Crunchy salted caramel, our classic and our maple. Uh, so we're going to be debuting this down at Expo. And uh, I think a lot of people will know that our product already really pops off shelf, but I think this is going to pop even more. So Absolutely. we're really excited because we've been, my cousin, Jeremy actually uh, designed the first Fatso label. He was fresh out of uh, Emily Carr art school. Cause I was like, I can afford you. Um, and uh, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't evolved that much since that time. So we thought maybe it's time for a little bit of a refresh and 
Um, so we're really excited to be doing that. And I think it's going to sort of, you know, mark this new stage of growth that we're really optimistic about. And um, yeah, hopefully get this raise closed and uh, yeah, start to take over some of the U.S. Awesome. That's great stuff. Really exciting, uh, exciting times. And congrats on the, the brand refresh. Thank you. Pretty uh, exciting uh, yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, where you, I think you mentioned the URL, but where can people buy the product or even learn more about yourself or connect with, with you on social media? I don't know, TikTok, LinkedIn, oh, TikTok. Facebook. I'm 41. So I, <laughs> I have a 21 year old doing that for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, LinkedIn for sure. Uh, just Jill Van Jean. And uh, um, if you go to the at Eat Fatso Instagram, uh, you can find my handle there, my personal handle. You can give oh, me perfect. a follow there if you want. It's just mostly like, babies and like i bake a lot of bread. real life yeah it's my life so um but yeah people can check me out there but they can always go to eatfatso.com uh we've got a, a good about page as well it talks a lot about our b corp initiatives um and uh you know just about the story of fatso and what we're aiming to do here uh, with the brand so you can always check that awesome. out awesome yeah well thanks so much jill it was, it was great to have you on and uh and chat with you and hear the story and uh it's quite inspiring. Honestly, you got me a little fired up to go do something. Oh, good. Cool. So, <laughs> Thank you. I uh, really appreciate that. And hopefully the listeners will get fired up uh, as well awesome. and, uh, and hope, help you close that raise too. So that would be good. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Mike. Bye everyone. Take care.